0: Sounds good. Hello and welcome to a special edition of the In the Money Players podcast. This is our Woodbine Sunday show. We did a lot of these Woodbine Sunday shows last year. This is our first one this year. Very excited because this is probably the key day of prep race action for the Queen's Plate, the richest race in Canada and one that we look forward to Every year uh, since we started partnering with Woodbine, and even before that, just because it's a big race on its own right. Highlight of this Sunday card: the 67th running of the Woodbine Oaks presented by Budweiser. This is, of course, for three-year-old Phillies fold in Canada, going one mile and an eighth on Woodbine's tapita surface. And it's the first leg of the Canadian Triple Tiara Series, with the second leg being the Bison City Stakes on August 14th, and the third being the Wonderwear Stakes on September 11th. Budweiser, longtime sponsor of this race since 2008. We're excited to go over the Woodbine Oaks, the plate trial, a couple other graded stakes on this card. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital, with you at the little house on the east side for the moment, getting ready to travel for the weekend. Definitely going to have eyes on this Woodbine card. We'll probably drop this middle of the day Saturday, but uh, depending on what time it goes up, make sure you pay attention to that Saturday Woodbine card as well with the big force out in the pick six. Uh, so it's going to be some interesting stuff and we'll have some special content. I think it's going to be Nick Tamaro and also our man Blake Jesse on that one. But to do these Sunday races with me, we bring in our expert when it comes to all things pertaining to Woodbine. He is also the in the money media business manager. He is Drew Coatney. Drew, what's up? Hey, I am doing good. I'm doing good. I'm looking forward to a great weekend we've got.
1: Uh, Some great racing all around the the North American continent this weekend. And uh, I think Sunday is going to be a great day after I get done with uh, the pre-birthday round of golf Um, on Sunday morning. (laughs) We'll settle in to watch some more races at Woodbine and see one of my favorite horses compete in the Hendry Stakes, uh, kicking things off here. So can't can't be more pleased. And hopefully the weather cooperates all around the country for all the races and barbecues for this weekend.
0: That's the plan. I mean, it's going to be hot, I think, but hopefully uh, nothing that we can't handle. And Woodbine definitely, um, obviously, Saturday, uh, Woodbine, uh, important. We'll be betting that simulcast while focusing on the, the loaded Monmouth card, little race meet called Saratoga as well, that we'll certainly be paying attention to. Sunday, though, I think we can fairly correctly say would really taking center stage with these four stakes races i you got we got all kinds of birthdays going on in the in the money family jk early july you're coming right up um i got a big one i got a big round number coming up on august 4th so hopefully your celebration will be good got to plan those golf rounds accordingly on a big racing day you got to make sure you don't you know get stuck by somebody um 14 putting one of the holes and, and keeping you from getting to your adw in time Yeah, I would be curious how many
1: shutouts have been happened on a golf course. And unfortunately, I think it's too many to count at this point. But also rooting on a winner uh, in the middle of a fairway is a fantastic way to draw attention to yourself that you are a true degenerate.
0: That is good stuff. I appreciate that very much. Yeah, if you have strong Wi-Fi, I suppose you can just do both at the same time. And that's what many people do, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's absolutely fine out there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Because people are listening to music. I I love how golf is starting to transition to a more welcoming, less pretentious uh, sporting activity. So, you know, having a race call out there and gambling being at the heart of golf as well, I think it's pretty much widely accepted.
0: You gave me the perfect segue into our third race, the Hendry. I, I decided to go on a tangent instead, but we'll pull the attention back where it belongs, this race for these three-year-old fillies, six and a half on the synthetic. One of the horses we've talked about the most, probably the, getting close to the, as, as much as any horse on on podcast, just because we've done so many Woodbine shows when she's run. I know she's a favorite of yours. Boardroom, are you with her or against her on Sunday? I'm with her.
1: And, and really, it stems from two, twofold and handicapping the rest of the horses in the position draw. I think Boardroom is going to have a beautiful ground saving trip today or on Sunday uh, to get the job done. So, with that inside draw, I, I've noticed she's had a tendency to get into the three path and lose some ground. I'd like to see Boardroom sit a couple lengths off. Uh, be on the rail and then tip out late for home and grind up that six and a half, that kind of perfect distance for her. So I think that's one factor of the post draw. The other thing is I think the real other main contender of Artie's princess is not going to be alone on the lead and have some other pace pressures that should open up things very nicely late in the stretch for boardroom to run on by. So I'm, I'm team boardroom, L J Foxwoods. Let's get the, the next win for this one.
0: I love boardroom and certainly respect her. I was going to go with the Artie's princess angle just on the thought that pace figure-wise, I think she does have a chance to clear. I mean, I guess you're thinking it's Lorena who might be able to go out there early with her. I'm just not sure that she's fast enough to do that, and I was wondering if they might be a little bit – A little bit conservative and and give just enough rope to Artie's Princess to potentially get the job done. She's bred for turf. Her lone turf race is maybe better than it looked in that it was a salty affair at Saratoga. I will play a 2-5 saver, but I'm going to go with the five in this spot. And and we may not have had to go very far along in the show to get to our head to head. Technically, I'm giving you a little bit the best of it as boardroom will be a a shorter number than Artie's Princess. But I don't I don't mind giving up the uh, giving up a little bit of head-to-head equity if you're up to the taking that challenge
1: yeah i am i am and and i'll tell you what the number six dynasty of her own the import from santa anita and the west coast at golden gate has shown fantastic speed when on an all-weather surface and you got to imagine kimura board is not going to be too cute with this and say well maybe if i rate i can outbeat boardroom no Dynasty of our own has one way to go to get this win and start to get some black type, and it's to try and get up uh, early and try and establish position from that outside post draw. So, again, trying to play the race out in our head. Artie's Princess is going to go, and the number six, Dynasty of our own, at 15 to 1, only has one way to go. And with Kimura aboard, again, I just think he's, he's too smart to know that. Rating back is going to be a losing tactic when you're trying to face some of these bigger closers in here, like Amalfi Coast or Boardroom. Uh, heck, even even Hazelbrook just a smidgen. Uh, I'd like over Dynasty of Our Own if they were rating uh, back in live betting. So,
0: I'm Team Boardroom, but I think there's going to be a little bit of extra speed here. So, I- I'm excited. We'll to- see how it plays out. We'll see. We'll see how it plays out. We've got a good a good head to head to start things off. Should we go next to the plate trial? Are you happy enough with that? Let's do it. All right, let's zip on to race number seven, the plate trial going a mile and an eighth, 150,000 in the pot, mile and eighth, as I mentioned, on the synthetic. Um, interesting race here, for sure. Field of nine lined up. Timeform US suggests this one is going to have a fast pace. I thought maybe that could lead us to a little bit of a long shot in this spot. I was interested in number six, Lock Lach- Mazak, excuse me, Lock Lach- Makaza is the horse I think is pretty interesting, just as the best closer in a race full of speed, third time off the layoff. And maybe that was a speed-tilted racetrack last time, allowing me to excuse the last effort a bit. One more chance at a price for me. The eight, Minster, an obvious and deserving favorite, who I will definitely be saving with if I end up playing picks. I'll use some eights on tickets. But I think Locke Mikasa, number six, going to be the one for me in this year's play trial. How do you see it? Yeah, I was trying
1: to get creative and I really couldn't because I hate backing a horse who pops at a big figure after having a couple races um, under their belt. And in the number eight, the Minxter is my top choice because I think just coming off that long break, the sprint distance made sense, uh, not dumping a horse in too far, too deep, too early. And I think one against that tough bunch that's coming back in those like high to mid 90 buyers. And so I feel confident standing this horse that the number eight, the minxer, it's going to come back and run a little bit better, even more so. I actually think this doesn't have a ton of speed in here in this race at the the, the full nine furlong. So I think that 86 buyer earned after the long layoff for the eight minxer should be a good foundation and stepping stone to launch into. Now playing a little bit of into the future, I think if we see a long shot win or something that's completely confusing, this opens up the queen's plate completely. I, I, like, I, I, it's going to be really interesting to m- earmark this race as we look towards that bigger race. If, if we see something goofy happen here, because you know anything could happen, and I think Cousin Mayhem, the number five, deserves some worthy mention. And I was reading some punditry that said I think it was Ron Gearkink uh, was reporting that they just tried to take over the race on the slop when it came off, and they're saying Cousin Mayhem may have some good um, all weather foot. So. Maybe that becomes the new logical moving into it, but I'm just not willing to back at a short price at this point. So a lot of wait and sees. I think it's going to play f- great for storylines. And I want to see uh, the number eight, the Mingster, stalk the pace, come running late, and make a pretty big move in the splash for the future of the summer.
0: I could see a good stalk and pounce trip, and the minster might just be able to quicken off a, even if it is a, a fast gallop this time around. This is a horse that shapes like, the seven furlongs, probably just a prep, should, like you say, supposed to improve. Gonna be very tough. I just thought I had a little case to make on Lock Makaza. I'm wondering if that's interesting what you were saying about maybe they just went to the lead because of the off the turf last time with Cause and Mayhem. Horse makes all the sense in the world. I just, it's so hard to back those big figure off the turf races. New surface horse is gonna catch all kinds of money and, you know, time form throwing it up as. Um, maybe a race that the closers could get involved. Those were just all the reasons why I decided to go against Cause and Mayhem in this spot, but would be absolutely no surprise um, if we end, if I end up ripping up my tickets because of it. Now, I think you had another race you wanted to get to before we talk about the later two stakes on the card. Was it the eighth race? It was, and I think it is the best betting race. It's
1: optional claimers uh, for 50000 at the nine furlongs on the turf. At one turn, and it is just a wide open race with some old favorite names like Henley's Joy, Palazzi, um, Pride of Distinction, who's a, a old time hitter, Dundrum up at Woodbine, Hadassah. So it's just a fantastic race. English Conqueror as well in there. So a lot of names we've talked uh, at, over these airwaves frequently. And I, I landed on a box and score at five to one. I think the form is perfectly muddied up. Um, for this horse to really throw a good number out and win at what should be a pretty decent race because I think last time out was just too long facing tougher two back was on the yielding and three back was coming off such a long long layoff and I I just think this horse is going to sit perfectly in a pocket and be able to tip out late and for Jonathan Thomas who's firing quite well get the job done at Five to one, four to one feels like great value for LaPenta and that team to ship in from Belmont to come here and, and get get a check. So I think the number five is very interesting box to score, but also the logical one of number six, Arturo Toscani. Um, ran home Toscanini, to- come on. Toscanini. Ran home in the final. <laughs> very <laughs> impressive. We've got to work on your Italian pronunciations here. <laughs> yeah. We'll start with Spanish first, but yeah, we'll migrate that way to the Italian wines. We're, we're a big Spanish wine family. Um, anyways, uh, neither here nor there. Uh, I think ran home the number six Arturo Toschini, Tos-
0: Toscanini. Toscanini, Toscanini. You pronounce every syllable. <laughs> so the number six, uh, I think, <laughs> watching that. <laughs>
1: A, 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 a little tip for broadcasters, just avoid the pronunciation altogether. So the number six horse, yeah. I think ran home extremely impressively in the final eighth, And I love that that horse could show to switch off and be patient when stuck behind horses. I go ask anyone to go watch that replay and how this horse gets up to win is something of uh, quite impressive. So I don't think we've seen the full potential of this import runner. And I'm looking forward to the second start of the Woodbine turf. So five, six, I may even box it up uh, to see what kind of value we can get in the Xacta pools because there's so many other logical contenders. I could easily see an exacta paying 25, 20 to one with those two selections. So that's that's where I'm at with that.
0: Toscanini uh, really did look to improve being gelded, and that was a nice race going shorter than uh than some of the previous efforts and when he was over in uh, Ireland really good looking son of Galileo who i I think really has plenty more room to improve that's who I was with and I'm going to suggest later today you go on uh, Uh, You know, I I always talk about rock and roll on these shows. I don't talk about a lot of classical music. But go listen to some of the uh, Arturo Toscanini conducted uh, Beethoven symphonies. Maybe that could be your your grilling music later, Drew. And and you'll you'll listen to that. You'll you'll like it. And then you'll you'll you won't forget how to pronounce uh, Toscanini again.
1: Oh, absolutely. Don't think I'm not familiar with the one who was most acclaimed and influential musician of the late 19th and 20th century, renowned for intensity. (laughs) (laughs) That's <laughs> straight from Wikipedia. I'm sorry, I just had to.
0: That's very, very funny. Intensity is good. I do think a lot of the conductor sort of stereotypes stem from from Toscanini. That sounds that sounds about right to me. We're ba- That's who I'm picking. You're gonna you you respect, but more of a backup for you with uh, with preference for the five. Am I am I explaining that right? That's 100. percent Okay, let's move to race number nine. We've got the Woodbine Oaks presented by Budweiser. For these three-year-old fillies. <laughs> another one that is all about the Queen's Plate clues. This race has probably been, I think it's safe to say, a better without looking at it, a better prep for for the Queen's Plate than the Plate Trial has. Very, very often, horses coming out of this race or having won this race do very well in there. So, uh, another one that'll offer clues. We should definitely we should do some sort of early preview, a, mm-hmm. a too early look at the at the queen's plate maybe with ernie perry after the uh, after these races are run be fun to get uh, get the band back together for some of the other folks we've had on from woodbine and our woodbine shows over the years but that is a question for another day for right now the question is drew who's gonna win the woodbine oaks
1: yeah i'm i'm playing the connection angle here with oh man the number six we'll just leave it at that
0: The number six, whose name is Salabia. Salabia. Um, Shadwell paid... It could be Salabia, to be fair, but I think it's Salabia.
1: Shadwell paid $1.6 million for this horse, and they're not coming up here just to hope. Uh, I I think they have big intentions to win this race and really showed some great gate speed and ran on very well in that second start against who was a 2-5 to favorite, and both of those two kicked on clear from the field. So the importance of watching replays and providing the context of how this one ran and tried to rise to the occasion and showed a really gutty performance. I think they're gonna come here uh, and win this one for fun. And I think we're gonna get great value at three to one. Again, this is a little unique for Chad. He's never shipped in to Woodbine for an all-weather horse. Uh, go figure. Not, not going to the turf, but I really do like this one, and I am going to be cold single to the number six in this race.
0: Interesting. We're head to head here as well. I mean, I respect her and she could win, but there were enough questions for me at what I was guessing was going to be a short enough price. We'll see. Maybe the morning line is right. But I was thinking Salabia, the six, might get bet below number three, Moira. And that was the one that I was interested in. Super impressive two-year-old. Looked to come back fully formed. And just another one of these horses, similar to Binkster, though I ended up picking Binkster, you know, as as a secondary pick, that I feel like condition-wise almost has to move forward in this start. And so uh, that's why I ended up there. I did also want to give a little bit of a mention to the number 10 Pioneer's Edge. And my angle with this has to do with how I think they're gonna bet as well. And I could be wrong. If this horse is bet down, I probably don't, probably don't need anything under the seven to two of the morning line. But if this horse is seven to two or even a little bit higher, which I expect she may be, that was a big excuse last time I thought, trying to close on a track that I thought favored speed. And again, just think might offer a little bit of value. So I might mess around with the three and the ten. Your confidence in Salabia makes me want to have at least one saver you know, uh, to get the stake back if, if she happens to get the job done. But yeah, we got uh, you know we're all over. I mean, really, it's those three at the top of the market are, are the three we end up talking about. Everything else in here is uh, double figures. Well, that's not true. You do have McCool's Girl at eight to one, but bigger prices. The rest for sure. Was there anything at a bigger number you were interested in to maybe get involved? I mean, you said Stone Cold Single, but what about what about your verticals?
1: Yeah, I was hoping to find something, and I just couldn't get behind anything because there was just too many knocks and a lot of the closer types got some setups like the number seven sister Seagull got a setup last time, still running a little bit underneath Uh, the number five McCool's girl at the eight to one you had mentioned again, nothing really impressive tended an even pace and faded late. Maybe that one steps up and and reverses form. But again, you're kind of banking on the, okay, they had a, a dud effort. Let's bring it back again, but I don't like to see the speed and fade. So I really don't think this is a vertical race for me. And, really sticking into the the wind pools especially if we can get two to one five to two on Salabia on the number six
0: we'll see how it plays out the Chad fan club sometimes has a way of pushing those numbers down that's what I was assuming was going to happen but we'll have a lot more information as we get into this card on Sunday race number 10 the last one we're going to talk about on this show the grade two dance smartly three and up Phillies and Mares a mile and a sixteenth on the turf with this field of eight going post we didn't really do a proper pick sequence. So I'm not going to ask you how we're going to get paid. I'm just going to ask you, who's your idea of the winner? Yeah, I think the most logical, the number seven, Wakanaka,
1: I I think comes out of some really tough races with it in Italia and Regal Glory. And I think this one towers over in terms of class. And the distance uh, should really favor this one to be a grinder, one turn type of race for Wakanaka. So I, I'm again leaning on the number seven Wakanaka, not cold singled. Cause I also do like, and will respect lady If This one gets loose. I can easily see her wiring or being right up there in the vanguard early and just continuing to run on with it. it in terms of pace dynamics. So those two for me, nothing creative. I wish I could get bigger prices, but I think when you have some really tough back class that are running well against, and hasn't finished off the board in the last three races, I think that sets up very nicely for a big uh, big win.
0: We're extremely similar. I did go in the other order, just maybe on the pace angle, and I know Wakanaka isn't going to be too far back, but I did think Lady Spitespear may enjoy that tactical advantage if the turf is tilted at all towards speed. Maybe she could put that to good use. I'll play them both in, in the top spots. Of uh, of of uh, exactas. And then I might take a try much more for third than for anything else. But Seasons is just such an old favorite. And she does not look fast enough. Make no mistake. But having said that, I've always liked her. She definitely took a step in the right direction in a slow paced race, which sometimes will depress the final time figure. You know, third off the layoff now. I just I do not want her to hit the board at double figures and cost me the try. And I just think she's an interesting horse that I, I will spend some extra money to include here. So for me, I'll call it a straight. Well, it's not really a straight. It's four. It's basically four seven with five with four seven four seven with four seven with five and maybe just a tiny little bit of five with with the with with the four seven for me. Very very chalky, but trying to feather in the double figure horse in seasons to get the job done. Yeah, well, there you I, have it. We've yeah. gone, gone over these stakes. Any other thoughts on on this one or any of the other races on the card? Yeah, no, I, I like that
1: season's approach, and I think we'd be remiss not to talk about the number three Fev Rover for anyone who f- pays attention to um, the U.K. circuit. I, I think it's interesting that this one has faced some of the tougher bunches of Lord Glitters and Mother Earth and Saffron Beach and Alcohol-Free. And I, I don't know if this horse is ready for a step forward yet. It looks that way. And we might need to take a wait-and-see approach. Gets Lasix for the first time, so don't know the full story of how this one, why this one came overseas, but looks to be training quite well. And I'm going to sit on my hands with this horse, the number three, Feb Rover, and see how this one progresses off of this long layoff. But with that back class and running some mighty competitive races, I think there's an argument to be made that maybe this one goes overlooked and this time is the time and next time this one will be even money or less when showing back up at Woodbine.
0: I was going to say probably needs the race, but it is a grade two. So sometimes, you know, they come back in the stake and they've got works like Fevrover has. You do expect them to run big. So certainly an interesting one that I would consider feathering, uh, in underneath in, in tries. But for me, um, you know, much, much more of the play will be going through uh, the, the runners we talked about. But I, I do I do like your case for that one, though. I'm not going to include in your official picks or, or am I doing that wrong? No, that's that's right. Yeah, no,
1: I, I, not in official picks. I'm going to wait and see and uh, see how this one performs. And, you know, we've been going back and forth on best bets. Um, where would we focus our efforts? And I think for me, I think boardroom is going to be way too short of a price. I would imagine it below even money. So I think I'm going to stick with maybe a cold pick three or even a double. Something to do with box score uh, into the number six and maybe just the number six. Excuse me. I'm I'm listing names. Um, Race nine.
0: Start us off. Back up a second. Tell us what race. Because it's not a race we talked about, right? So tell us where where the bet is. Race eight, box and score, the number five,
1: into race nine, the number six, Salabia and then into race 10, Wakanaka. I I think I might do a cold pick three that way um, and then feather in some win bets on Salabia and Wakanaka if the price is right for us.
0: If you made me pick one horse on the day I'm almost sure I'm going to be betting it is the 3 Moira I like at the 5 to 2 I think you could end up potentially getting better than that depending on on how it all goes so that's where I'll go for my my top idea of the day Drew appreciate you making time on a, on a busy weekend to do this Sunday show with us I want to thank you uh, you have any closing thoughts for the listeners before we send it home no, let's let's get some winners home. I think there's a lot of great action. Make sure to keep your powder dry and place your biggest opinions where we can get paid. It's always a good idea, definitely a recipe for success. So thank you to you, thank you to our friends at Woodbine. If this ends up going up early, um, and I'm not sure it will or won't, but make sure to check out the Saturday action at Woodbine as well. We're going to be covering Woodbine for the rest of their season. Really appreciate their partnership here on in the money. Media Network. This show has been a production of In the Money Media. Our business manager is that guy right there, Drew Cotney. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kinchin. I'm Peter Thomas Fornital. May you win all your photos.